Chapter 15 of Silly and Its Legends by Henry John Whitfeld. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. St. Agnes. The channel between St. Mary's and St. Agnes is seldom still or calm. There is generally a swell rolling in from the ocean sufficient to tell you that it is a ground upon which you must venture warily, for that whereon thou standest is hallowed by many a fearful legend of wreck and disaster. You soon, however, reach the Gyu, a part of St. Agnes, once only a peninsula, but since the time of Borlase, who describes it thus, entirely cut off from the main island at every tide, the Gyu faces the Hue at St. Mary's. There are many of these oriental rhymes here, perhaps, derived from the Indo-Germanic origin of the Celts, for an Asiatic is so fond of this jingle that, in speaking of Cain and Abel, he alters the former to cable to make it correspond with abel you land soon upon the neck of the sand at a place called perconjure or porthconjure bay it is a curious fact that at both extremities of the islands you arrive at a spot so named the rock of Scilly outside briar is supposed to be thus termed from Scilla, which as i mentioned before is the cornish for conger climb the hill above your landing place if you have in your nature a spark of romance or the slightest sense of natural beauty if you find the sublime language of that solitude where the spirit communes with God and God with it, stay and enjoy an hour spent, perhaps, as you have never spent one before. Should you be like the son of a highland chieftain who, on my asking him if he liked the poetry of Burns, replied contemptuously, no, he is so vulgar, or should your taste be that of the young French lady who, at the first sight of the Alps, exclaimed, Aquise gentil, Go back to your boat and dismiss the gyu from your mind for ever. The case is not an improbable one. Enthusiasm is sometimes qualified as that which makes us mad. My poor friend Hayden was considered insane for reciting Shakespeare aloud. Some early acquaintances of mine once called upon me after a lapse of many years. I had filled my house with antique furniture, old India china and plate, and was, in Lord Byron's words, guilty of being innocent of the fact that my hobby was somewhat singular and that few would sympathise with it. We had been looking at a magnificent carved oak bed, which, with its crimson curtains and suite of massive fittings, was, in my eyes, the perfection of solemn and ancient splendour, when one of my guests suddenly cried out, "'Good heavens, where did you pick up all this hideous rubbish?' There is, in the world, a multitude, perhaps a great majority of persons, who feel thus. They are all the happier for it, those keen and fine and exquisite sensibilities that charm and win our spring no blessing to their possessors so if you are fortunately for yourself insensible to the stern beauty of that haunted down with its calms its rifled sepulchres and all its wild ancestral memories go home and thank god for it on the whole extent of the gyu are scattered rocks of every shape many of them more pointed than i have seen in the other islands there are likewise a number of circles some of which are small and others of the usual extent containing those large sepulchres which from their size seem to have belonged to a family rather than an individual there is also a menher as it is called in brittany or tall upright rock for worship footnote i suppose this is the derivation of the cornish name tremenhir tree menhir footnote ends from the quantity of little funeral rings still remaining one would suppose this spot to have been a general burying place the names of some of the points are very quaint, for there is wet nose and drop nose. 
These fanciful appellations are to be found everywhere in the footsteps of the Anglo-Saxon race. In the midst of the sounding terms furnished by Oriental hyperbole, you come upon them strewn here and there. As you sail out of the Indus, you round a bold headland. Nearchus gave it a fine Greek designation, but the English christened it Cat's Head, and Cat's Head it remains. From the extremity of the Giyu, you see a rock which has maintained a melancholy interest. It is the Gilston. In October 1707, as I stated in my account of Port Halleck Bay, the association, the flagship of Sir Cloudsley Shovel, with two other ships of the line, the Eagle and the Romney, struck here and were lost with 2,000 men. Footnote, it is sometimes called the Victory. Footnote ends. In fact, standing upon this headland and looking over the innumerable peaks and shoals extending for miles in every direction, one ceases to wonder at the Salonian proverb that for one man who dies a natural death, nine are drowned, or at the complaint of Mr. Tucker in his report to the Prince of Wales that the chief hindrance to making a roadstead and harbour of refuge arose from the prejudice of sailors against it. The Colossus of the line was lost here with, I believe, all her crew. So was the Nabucto, so were the Thames steamer and the Juro, nor is this all. Many a wreck takes place, and the deep swallows up all memory of the disaster. In 1842, the topmast of a vessel was observed above water, not far from the shore of St. Agnes. She proved to be the William Proben from Shields, but there ended all knowledge of her. Her sailors were drowned. She lay there as men saw her, but they were ignorant of all else connected with her. The disappearance of vessels is so common as to excite little surprise. The woman who waits upon me has been married two years. Her husband, who was mate in an outward-bound trader, when he was last heard of, sailed off from some foreign port four months since, but no further tidings have reached her, and she has gone into service without a murmur. Setting aside the dim twilight of the laurel grove that clothes the isles of Greece, these rocks resemble them as they are described by Byron. Fair clime where every season smiles, benignant o'er oh, those blessed isles, where mildly dimpling ocean's cheek reflects the tints of many a peak, caught by the laughing tides that lave those Edens of the eastern wave. In both cases, the beauty is rendered mysterious and solemn by its associations, at least to those who think and feel, those who do not, are little worth. I do not envy the man, says old Samuel Johnston very truly, whose bosom does not beat with patriotism on the field of Marathon, with piety amid the ruins of Iona. Cross the neck of sand at Perconga and ascend a little slope. You will find yourself in the main town of St. Agnes, which boasts a population of about 200, nearly every other man being named Hicks. Here is the pretty parsonage and the school. The clergyman fills both offices, being both curate and schoolmaster, an arrangement much wanted at St. Martin's. A little further on is the lighthouse with its revolving beacon. Footnote, it is well worth a visit. There are three faces and ten lights in each face, which is visible for a minute, the entire revolution being effected in three. The large reflectors are of silver and have been in use for nearly fifty years, but are still as bright and fresh as ever. Footnote ends. These are in excellent order, but, oh, ye rulers of the Trinity House, men of good intentions ye may be, and of high nautical science, but, alas, for your taste. The residence attached to the establishment is large. Larger, in fact, than is requisite. It is built very expensively. The doorposts are of granite. The chimneys, elegantly carved, 
are of Portland stone, and the Palladio or Wren of the Trinity House has most carefully painted them. Below the lighthouse is a small church and a beautiful little model farmhouse built, of course, by the proprietor, to whom is due the credit for every improvement, and from whom every plan for the comfort and benefit of the islanders meets with a generous and disinterested support. Footnote. A peddler with whom I was talking one day said to me that 17 years ago all the people here were paupers, but now they are all gentlemen. Footnote ends. The bay beneath is a curious specimen of etymological corruption. It is called Prigless or Priglis, the proper name being Portus Ecclesiae or Church Bay. There is another word, the root of which I cannot unravel. It is Saint Asprey Neck, probably, as Mazeppa says, it is some lurking saint, but who he may be passes man's powers to discover. Above the town is a wide down called Wingle Tang, which, like the Giu, almost approaches sublimity. It presents a marvellous contrast to the cultivated fields behind and to the soft blue sea and to that azure haze above your head. You find, as soon as you reach it, a very remarkable rock called the Devil's Punch Bowl with a large basin on the top. Borlase says that it is a Logan and may be moved by pushing it with poles. It is, at all events, a very grand and striking object. Indeed, over the whole extent, of Wingletang down and on the Gue are scattered profusely the finest and most picturesque masses of stone, no two alike, but bearing this resemblance, as has been observed, that they all dip to the north. You have here an excellent view of the Western Isles and, amongst others, of Annette, but your heart sickens as you look upon their fantastic outlines and pinnacles just emerging from the water, studying it with so many deaths. Having made the circuit of the moor, we arrived at a little cove or bay, lying between immense masses of rock, as calm and happy as Valambros, where the Aturian shades high over arched embower. The circle here was no woven fretwork of leaves, but a great wall of granite, frowning above the turf at its foot. It is the very scene for a marvel, for its aspect prepares the mind for one, and a marvel is ready to your hand. This island was formerly dedicated to Santa Wound, an Irish saint, who landed here one day in a coracle or boat of wickerwork covered with skins from the Green Isle. Footnote. Pronounced Santa Wound. Does this give a clue to the unknown root of the word Santa Sperry? Santa Sperry, or Berry. There are several names resembling this in Cornwall and Devon. Perrin, Berrien, Berrien, Berry, and all derived from Ireland. Footnote ends. Reader's note. The author is emphasising a difference in the spelling between W-A-R-N-A and the pronunciation, which is W-A-U-N-D. Reader's note ends. Her maidenhood must have been a sad loss to the bachelors of those days. What a sailor's wife the lady would have made, and how she would have spliced the main brace. Be that as it may, the good islanders very naturally believe that so bold a voyager must be a patroness of those who live by the sea, in more senses than one, for Her Holiness was supposed to preside not only over fair sailing, but over foul, since her power extended to wrecks. Her shrine was here, and here is even now, the site of her mystical well, into which whoever drops a pin, as into that of St. Winifred, and utters a wish, will obtain what they seek. Footnote. It is nearly filled up. Footnote ends. People pray generally according to their tastes. The Salonians usually asked for wrecks, and I have heard of one man who threw a pin into the little basin, with these words, 
at least a first-rate Indiaman. In former days, Santa Juan played a very conspicuous part in all transactions hereabouts. The Reformation by no means put an end to her empire. The fiery race of Hicks, whose squabbles with that of Mortimer show that the ladies of the house were well skilled in the language peculiar to the apostolic occupation of the sale of fish practised by their lords, seem to have warmly patronised the Irish saint. Footnote. The old court books, which I was permitted to inspect through the kindness of Mr. Augustus Smith, are infinitely amusing as to the habits of these insular belligerents. In one case, Hicks versus Mortimer, for scandal, in which the plaintiff accused the defendant of having had a child more than the law allowed, and the defendant rejoined that, if she had, she had at least not killed it, the bench most impartially imposed a good fine upon both parties and made them share the burden of the costs. The ducking-stool for scolds, formerly a frequent mode of punishment, must have been very often set to work, nor were the magistrates of justice very particular as to the sex of these recipients of their judicial bounties. One woman for theft received at the public whipping post forty stripes. Footnote ends. As Cadmus, when he emigrated with Moses in the exode from Egypt, introduced the use of letters into Greece, so St. Wound appears to have introduced the culture of the Shalila, which has since flourished here, as never did Thorn in Glastonbury. Footnote. Another Irish peculiarity possessed by these islands is that no snake nor any noxious reptile is to be found here. Footnote ends. In fact, her clients, the Hicks, are a true Celtic race, masculine, untidy, touchy, litigious, given to fun, strong liquors and scandal, wielding a hoe for potatoes with one hand and brandishing a blackthorn with the other. I learn many of these historical anecdotes by the side of the ancient basin, now well-nigh choked up, the age of unbelief has succeeded to the age of miracles. The islanders literally don't care a pin for Santa Wound. The old man discoursed with me of the past as we stood on the site of her vanished shrine, and the scene of other days arose vividly before my mind's eye. I could see the country folk coming to kneel before the rude figure of their idol and to pray for wrecks. So the Roman peasant brings her child to bow in prayer before the image of the Madonna and to lisp in orisons to Mama, as has been done so often in my hearing. The amphitheatre of rock looked down upon them as it now frowned upon us. The great sepulchres of yonder hill were then as yet unviolated and the sleep of the buried warriors undisturbed. The population was numerous and wealthy before war and natural convulsion and the elements had played their part in disuniting and depopulating the islands of the blessed. Footnote. Scilly was supposed to be the fortunata insulae of the ancients. Footnote ends. How soon that day of splendour was o'ercast, that bright brief day too beautiful to last. By degrees, the dwellers in the land dwindled away until even the pathetic language of scripture was inapplicable to their lot, for there was not a single inhabitant abiding here who could say, and I, even I only, am left to tell the tale. How is this brought about? quoth I to the patriarch who babbled to me of these bygone events. His reply was, in substance, as follows, and we will call his tale The Legend of Santa Wound. End of chapter 15. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.